Welcome to the Business, Wealth and Mindset Podcast. Your space for real motivational interviews and cutting-edge business content to inspire your positive mental attitude. And now, your host, Alex Sopala. Hi and welcome to this episode of the Business, Wealth and Mindset podcast where I get to talk to Patrick Parker, an accomplished tech executive turned founder with domestic and international experience in operations, customer software development, multi-channel product distribution and marketing involving both startups and growth operations. He's bootstrapped companies he's founded to millions of dollars in ARR and has raised venture capital to build out teams to refine product features and user experiences and to execute go-to-market strategies. Patrick has built award-winning products and led major growth initiatives in both the public and private sector. He's a proven operations strategist with a track record of building successful businesses. And if you want guidance that you can count on, then you've come to the right place. And this episode is a great one for you. Today, uh, his company works with amazing entrepreneurs that are looking to make a major impact within their industry. And uh, Thoroughbred Solutions helps clients with everything from business uh, ideas, uh, you know, to uh, product service development, to building scalable marketing strategies and everything in between. So without further ado, Here's my conversation with Patrick. Yeah, so you can just pick it up from there. Just take us through your your story from humble beginnings to, you know, how you got to uh, do the stuff that you do. And also, yeah, the early days, the early years, your experience and how it builds up to where you are today. So just pick it up from there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So obviously, I'm Patrick Parker from uh, SAS Partners, mm-hmm. a company that I founded about four and a half years ago. But going back even before that uh, is a, a long journey, a very mm-hmm. unsuccessful one, uh, plagued by by failures and some some amazing lessons learned. Mm-hmm. And it's one of the things that I always recommend to, to serial entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs in general like myself is fail early and, and fail often, right? It, it's uh, from each one of those failures has come uh, a very critical lesson that has kind of defined and, and shaped who I am today. Uh, and, and more importantly, the experience that I've uh, been able to have within that journey and the success, success that I've been able to have. So going all the way back to, uh, to high school and college, um, again, always an entrepreneur, so just launching uh, innovative ventures, uh, each one of those uh, taught me something new. So the, the first one that I started was a top 40 uh, promotion for artists in the music industry. So I'm from Nashville, born and raised there. And um, we used to have all these musicians that would come to town, come to town, live in town, tour, uh, perform. And, and one of the things that uh, I noticed a need for is that after these performances were done, a lot of them wanted to figure out how to experience uh, the real Nashville, how to experience the nightlife, how to, uh, to continue connecting with their fans and building an audience. And so we used to go out and, and capitalize that. And on, on after uh, they finished up their shows, we would uh, carry them over to another smaller venue. You know, a lot of times a, a nightclub, a nightclub or, a, a, you know, an event space and they perform a, a more intimate show after the fact. And uh, things were going really well. We had a ton of early success. 
generated a, a ton of revenue, but we started uh, started having a little bit of trouble with some of the other competition in the area that started picking up on what we were doing and trying to mimic it. Hmm. So long story short, ended up uh, losing my shirt and possibly my pants too um, in that one and uh, lost a lot of money in one night. The important uh, lesson that I took away from that was cash flow. Right. You've got to have cash to run a business. Right. And so when we stopped being able to uh, bring on the, the, the next artist or, or put on the next show because of, of cash flow, uh, the business quickly died out. Right. And then after that, I, I moved on. Uh, it wasn't stagnant. It wasn't long after that that I launched another one. Right. And that was creating websites. Uh, this is right on the uh, right during the transition from Web 1.0 to Web 2.0. And so I was, again, serving that same market where I'd built a ton of relationships, working with uh, event spaces and club owners and, and uh, bars and, and restaurants and helping them to, to gain an online presence, helping them to uh, develop websites, helping them to start building an audience. Uh, and I, I like to say I was too early, but really, that's not the truth. The, the, mm -hmm. the challenge was... Uh, I was not able to effectively tell the story of why it was important, right? I couldn't communicate the value uh, because, again, this at the time was something that was was brand new. This is back in 2002, 2003, right? Mm -hmm. So they didn't understand the value of it. If I would have been consistent, it probably would have paid off. But the biggest thing that I learned from that was just the the value of storytelling, right? Mm -hmm. the, the ability to sell someone else. Uh, on the dream, right? Mm -hmm. On the, the benefits that they can can receive from uh, a prosperous engagement, right? And that those two failures really kind of jump started my career, right? Mm -hmm. It uh, it led me down a path uh, with tech uh, that I was extremely passionate about. So I went from from kind of the, the pure business side, uh, launching ventures to to technology, went and, uh, went back to school, learned everything that I could about what I didn't know. Mm -hmm. And, uh, from there was, was ready to start my own thing, uh, with, with a new perspective because of those lessons learned that I, I had carried forward from those experiences, uh, mm -hmm. from those failures. And so now one of the biggest things that we do at SAS partners is we help early stage founders, uh, tell their stories. We help them, mm -hmm. uh, to, to, be able to clearly communicate or to clarify their vision so that they can uh, reach a broader audience, right? So that they can speak to the the customers that are most likely to uh, to benefit from their their products uh, and and really receive the value that's intended. Hmm. So I, I have this analogy that that I always love that I, I share with people, and it's something that I, I got from my father when I was very young. He used to always say that in the land of the blind, the one-eyed man is king. I'm sure you've probably heard that before, right? Yeah, brilliant. But, but the, lesson, the lesson behind that is, I think, what's so important because when you when you deconstruct that, right, the why is that the blind can't lead the blind, right? It, it takes a person with vision to mobilize the masses. And, and sometimes you have these entrepreneurs that they have the daunting task of, of risking it all for a vision that only they can see. Mm. Right. And so a lot of what we do is, is helping people to <clears throat> kind of clarify that vision 
and then break that down into the smallest steps, actionable steps that they can take and working with them to, to, to be able to tell that story, not only to the employees and to the, the team so that they can all be uh, centered around that vision uh, and clear on what the, the goals and objectives are to help reach that, but also in the messaging that they're putting out uh, to their customers, right? To their target audience and how to reach those people. So it's something that I, I often lead with in a lot of our engagements. And I, I think it helps to, to bring extreme clarity to that, right? Mm -hmm. So you've got to have that vision as an entrepreneur and you have to be able to com clearly communicate that, right? If you mm -hmm. want to gain traction and, and eventually grow and scale your business. Yeah. So that's yeah. the early days and, and how I got started with everything. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of pain in those days, a lot of, uh, a lot of failure, a lot of great lessons learned. Yeah, brilliant. That, that's an amazing story. And you, you, you captured a number of key topics within that. And uh, obviously, you know, there's a lot of stuff that we can unpick there. But just to go back on a, a few things, because the, one of the key words you mentioned there is the story. But also behind that was the key in terms of the, the failures and the challenges that you faced. Because right. a lot of people in the, in the face of those kind of challenges, it's like uh, there's a, there is a little bit of a mindset aspect to that. Because for you, when you faced some of those uh, challenges, somehow you found something in you to keep going and pick mm -hmm. those lessons. Because with failures, you can go either way. You can... You can conclude that ah, this stuff doesn't work, or you know, I'm not destined to achieve anything, you know, and give up and not not make anything. But if you can get beyond yourself to understand actually that you know it is those uh, those failures that teaches you the challenges mm -hmm. to actually keep on going. That's where the success lies. What is it that uh, kept you going, and how did you figure out that it, you know failures are just part of the journey i should just pick the lessons from it and move on sure. instead of going the other way what was it that worked for you you know i was always a, an athlete growing up so you know again failure comes frequent when you're, you're playing on uh different uh different sporting teams and you're going to take losses right and from each one of those i mean you, you go back and you try to motivate and encourage your teammates and you try to to, to lead them to victory so you know you get used to being able to lose um, the same way growing up. There's lessons in everything, right? It's all, it's all based on how you choose to interpret those and internalize those. But, you know, I, I think the mindset is, uh, especially that I have, is just one of, of resiliency. You know, I, I've never encountered a, a problem that I couldn't solve uh, with enough time around it, right? Um, but, but the biggest thing there is just understanding that, that losing is a part of life. Yeah. Right. And only once you have experienced true loss and whether that is, you know, a business venture, uh, whether that is a relationship, you know, whatever that may be, that you really understand kind of what drives you and the value of of what you can offer, not only to to other people, but to, you know, companies, to investors, to anyone else um, in terms of moving forward. So mm -hmm. it's uh mindset i would say has has definitely been the single biggest contributing factor to my success uh just because i i won't give up i won't quit you know mm -hmm. i'm i am uh destined to make an impact and that's what drives me forward right so despite any any failures or any obstacles that stand in my way 
I ensure that I have uh, the best team around me, uh, people that that are, are like minded thinkers and doers. Mm-hmm. Um, and we continue moving along. Right. Mm-hmm. So we remain consistent uh, even in adversity. Right. The uh, <clears throat> the the how may change, but the why remains constant. Yeah. Right? And so I, I think that's the biggest thing that I, I try to instill in in all of my employees and my team members as well. Um, is is why we are moving in the direction that we're moving and, and what the impact is that we're looking to achieve. And being able to communicate that vision through the power of the story is something that, um, you know, just speaks volumes to what we've been able to accomplish. Yeah. Brilliant. Brilliant. And just to, again, touch on, on that, that word, a story, uh, because obviously in the marketplace, there's uh, obviously a lot of people and markets can be massive and big. But uh, mm-hmm. I think one of the key things that I pick up from my story is that you can make an impact to a particular field or particular area of people who can relate to your story. And that can be, you know, one of the biggest impacts driving your business. I think sometimes people, when they tell the story, maybe they don't realize how powerful their story can be. Because a lot of us, maybe we take our stories to, to actually feel that uh, there is a more powerful story there. You know, what is it that sure. I've gone through? I mean, it's, it's nothing special and all those kind of things. But maybe you can give us a little bit more context to how people view their story, whether they don't feel there's anything ordinary in it, but someone somewhere can actually pick it up in a particular way. Well, what's your take? On Absolutely. I mean, so, some of the greatest problems that have ever been solved, right, have been solved from personal stories, right? Yeah. You have someone that encounters a challenge that, you know, it just eats them up inside because they, they don't know how to solve it, right? Yeah. And they see that so many other people are, are, are running into these same obstacles, these same challenges, and it just takes one person to solve that problem and then be willing to, to share their solution with the world, right? Yeah. So think about some of the entrepreneurs that... <clears throat> Have, have faced extreme adversity, right? It's the same thing, grown up in, in poverty or, or overcome drug addiction or things of that nature. You know, a lot of times we connect more with people than we do products and services. Yeah. yeah. So again, sharing that, that relationship, there's a, there's a lot of people that are, are still hesitant to, to kind of share that story because of the, the age that we live in, right? So you have things... Uh, with social media, right, where you yeah. see backlash or criticism, and and there's a lot of people that that just can't handle that, right? They can't handle the negativity. They can't block it out and focus on uh, the positive aspects of of the people that they're actually reaching and being able to yeah. to help possibly overcome fears or to solve problems uh, through the the power of telling their own story. Hmm. So I, I think a lot of times, especially when you look at uh, a lot of the the highest performing CEOs and, and founders uh, in the world today, I think a lot of that starts with the power of their story, yeah. right? So you look at, at people like Elon Musk, right? Who wants to mm. build a colony on Mars. You look at uh, Jack Dorsey and some of what he's done with, with Twitter and, and transitioning into blockchain and, and some of that. You look at uh, pretty much anyone. It all, it all starts with the yeah. story. Right. And, and the more the more popular that some of those companies grow, the deeper that a lot of the media outlets and everyone else will go around that story because it, it matters. That's something that helps to draw audiences in. And um, a lot of uh, 
a lot of people will, will be magnetized by some of the content that comes out of yeah. that. Right. Yeah. So it's, it's something else that helps with engagement. It helps with, uh, with just being able to, to appreciate, um, that at the end of the day, there's real people that are driving these companies and, and driving these stories. Mm, absolutely. Okay. Now, um, if you look at, uh, you know, most of the successful people, you know, in, in business and, and otherwise, I mean, you included, there seems to be a pattern of uh, them having experienced some sort of challenge that has propelled them to greater heights. Now, the question is, if you have some people who have probably just lived an ordinary life, you know, not faced any significant challenges of any sort of other, or, or rather, does that mean it takes some challenges and the bigger, the better for, to actually make people realize, learn from in order to be successful? Or can people who are just ordinary, never face anything, actually also reach great heights? What, what would it Great, great question. And this is, this is actually something I, I hear a lot and it's, it's a great debate around it, right? Mm. You know, it's the same thing of, of are, are entrepreneurs born or bred? Right. <laughs> Are you born an entrepreneur or do you, can you gain uh, the traits and characteristics and the, the willingness to succeed uh, for, from what you learn? Right. Yeah. And I think the answer is it, it can definitely be learned. But yeah. the, the biggest thing is there has to be some level of risk that is taken at some point in time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There's, I'm sure, many successful entrepreneurs that have have minimize or have not really put themselves out there. But if you look at, a, again, the stories of the people that are the most successful, hmm. you've got people that are, are literally living out of their cars for years that, that haven't hmm. made it, that have just tried and, and tried and tried again uh, and failed. And yeah. so, you know, I, I think that, you know, you have to face some level of, of adversity uh, to see whether or not you're capable of, of continuing on. Right. Hmm. And again, you just, until you have those obstacles or those personal challenges, whether they're, you know, internal, external, it doesn't matter. Uh, you really don't know uh, the totality of, of your character, right? Yeah. Because those are all character building experiences. <clears throat> those are, are opportunities to explore uh, yourself and to see if you have what it takes. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, so I think that, can it be learned? Sure. Is there other people that are, are kind of predisposed toward that? Absolutely. Right. Mm -hmm. um, but again, it's, it's all in, in your story. And that's why it's important to capture it and to be able to, to communicate that. Right. Because that's what motivates people. That's what drives people. Um, so yeah, I think it's a little bit of both. Of both. Yeah. Brilliant. Okay. So now just uh, take us through a bit more of your journey leading up to our SaaS partners, and then we can pick up on well, sure. what you do that. Yeah. Well, as I said, a serial entrepreneur had a bunch of unsuccessful uh, ventures that I learned a, a ton for. And it, I tell people all the time, I, I probably learned more from my, my failures than I ever have from my greatest successes. Um, from my successes, I learned what, what works. From my failures, I learned what doesn't work work and how to uh, identify those 
patterns and how to, to avoid those uh, mistakes going forward. But I uh, basically out of college, uh, went to work for a, a top four IT services provider and uh, learned everything that I could. Worked my way up from, from developer to architect to program manager, where at one point in time I was managing over a billion dollars in, in projects. Um, going back to that, um, again, tried a, a number of different ventures and, and ultimately uh, landed a job working for a top four IT services company. And um, just saw that the way that things were being delivered just weren't providing the value to the customers. Uh, that were marketed to them up front. So we're handing over and delivering these, these $100, $200 million projects. And at the end of it, their needs aren't being met. The problem that we set out to solve wasn't being solved. And the, uh, the end users didn't understand how to actually use these enterprise tools that we were building or, or implementing for them. Mm-hmm. And so when you have situations like that and you see kind of some of the frustration around uh, the projects that are being delivered and, and more specifically the outcomes, uh, I just knew there was a better way to do things. So, you know, I, I wanted to start a new business, didn't have the money at the time. Uh, so what I ended up doing was I founded a, a, uh, staffing company. And so I worked on it. I would basically go to work from nine to five. And then as soon as I got off, I'd go to work from six to midnight. And I was basically recruiting talent, um, tech talent for all different types of companies. And within uh, the first nine months, I generated a million in revenue uh, at a great margins, about 30% margins. And I, I literally took that 30% instead of just putting that in the bank and buying a new house or a car or something else that I didn't need, um, I put it to work, started another business. Um, and so we basically took that as the, the seed capital for SaaS partners. And then what we've always done with, with SaaS partners is we started out operating in a, a studio model, basically where we yeah. would build these products uh, in-house. We would rapidly prototype them, rapidly market test them. And then the ones that had legs that had, uh, you know, showed promise or, or, or uh, really fit a, a need in the market, we would create a separate company. We would launch that company and then we would partner with other thought leaders or experts within the, the industries and, and take them to market. And um, it wasn't long before a lot of what we were doing started getting out. Um, people started to, to see our products. A lot of the products that we built early on were, were uh, B2C uh, brands. And so people were seeing our apps. We had a, a large amount of traction with them. And then people started coming to us saying, hey, I saw what you built over here. Can you build something for me? And so it, it just kind of grew from there. And we, uh, I think that, that, First, I want to say first three, first four years, first three years, we didn't spend a dollar on marketing, but our, our revenue was, was growing by half a million to a million a year uh, without any marketing. And that was strictly from referrals. You know, we, yeah. we done a great job building those products um, and, and the results spoke for themselves. So we, uh, we did that. We've out of that, that studio shop that we have uh, with SaaS partners, some of the products that we created, we've bootstrapped to, to multiple millions in, in ARR. We've raised venture funding for a couple of them that have also been done really well, that one of them's getting ready to, to go through a Series A before long, uh, which is really exciting. Should be getting a, a nice valuation on that. But good. Um, <laughs> Kind of yeah. What's what's uh, central to all of it though is is again it, it goes back to the story, right? It goes back to our ability to to connect with our target audiences for these products, 
uh, and for the products of our our clients. Right, we're helping them to to understand the the power of story and, and how to uh, how to reach those those customers in those industries. So it, it's the same thing that I tell people all the time. You can either go, you know, an inch deep and a mile wide, or you can go a mile deep and an inch wide. Right, and you're going to get yeah. better results. Uh, by connecting with the people that really have those pain points and those those problems, yeah. right? Yeah. So, you know, develop solutions from there, uh, and then after you've gone as deep as you can within that industry, then you can start spreading out, yeah, inches wide, right? Continue going that deep on all of them, and from what we've seen, that's that's where uh, the best results come, right? Mm. From serving a few customers really well instead of trying to serve everyone, right? We, we yeah. work with companies all the time that have been in the market, have been trying to serve everyone or not really clear on, on who their ideal customers are. Mm-hmm. And that's the first thing that we, we help them do is to niche down. Who does this, this product or this service really, you know, solve a problem for? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, we've been able to, to turn around uh, what a lot of founders thought were lost mm-hmm. causes. That, you know, we were thinking about shutting down uh, before we talked to you. And now that we, we talked to you, we're back on the trajectory that we uh, we thought we would be on from the beginning. And that's the other thing. You know, you, you talk a lot about adversity and, and, you know, backgrounds and the power of mindset. A lot of people think that, that you know, the, the journey for an entrepreneur is just a, a straight line up, right? Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's not. It's not. Um, yeah. It's full of, of pitfalls and having to, to circle back and to work and do rework. And a, a lot of uh, discovery in terms of, of how things work, why they work, fixing things that are broken. Um, so it's it's never linear, right? Yeah. It's always ups and downs, highs and lows. Um, and again, it, it takes a certain type of, of mentality uh, to be able to endure that, to be able to yeah. see things through and to, to continue uh, pushing things to the next level. Things is through. Brilliant. And now over the years, though, you know, having worked with uh, multiple companies, you know, how, how do you balance managing them, you know, over time, like at, at the same time? And did you find some sort of competing for attention or your attention with each other? How, how do you yeah. manage that? I, I get that question a lot too. A lot of people think I'm, I'm crazy because I, I have so many companies. I've got uh, six different ones that I am running right now. Mm. And, um, you know, I've got some great partners and, and they do a lot of the, the lifting, but I think the, the biggest thing is I've, I've mastered time management. Um, it's such an undervalued skill. A lot of people spend all day waiting to respond to email or responding to emails and things like that. And I, I took something uh, probably to the extreme that, that Elon Musk has is, is kind of written uh, extensively about in terms of, of time blocking, right? So I have different parts of my day that are dedicated to each one of those companies. And then I maintain something that, that I refer to as a, a hit list, right? And that's, that's not a, a list of names of people that I'm looking to, to cross <laughs> off, right? That, uh, that, that hit list is the, literally just the three most important things that need to be done on a specific day for each of those companies to move forward, right? To continue moving the needle. And so long as those three uh, hypercritical things are done, the company keeps moving forward, right? Yeah. All the other things, all the other activities can, can be, uh, I don't want to say put on the back burner, but can be either delegated or, or are just not critical to, to actually continuing to grow, right? Because that's what we focus on in all of our companies is, is growth. 
So as long as we're focusing on those top three things every day, uh, then we do that. And, and that's the thing too, is, is, you know, at different times of the year, different, uh, you have those competing priorities always. Right. And so you have to understand, uh, what you can delegate and you have to understand, uh, the importance of, of building an exceptional team and actually pouring into those people and, and teaching them, uh, how to think like a leader in a lot of cases, how to take extreme ownership of, of different business functions, uh, so that you can continue to, uh, to continue to grow and expand and, and, uh, build out the rest of your business. Mm. So. Okay. And it's, you know, with, with all the businesses that you're, you're running, is, is there like, um, a particular blueprint that you use to quickly scale them up, you know, 1 million revenue plus? That's right. Yeah, there is. There is. And it, it all goes back to uh, we, we've got some frameworks uh, that we use that, you know, there's there's certain activities that are going to be uh, relevant across all industries. Right. Things that you absolutely have to do uh, in terms of, of marketing, in terms of sales, in terms of, of customer success. Um, the product side, uh, actually building the products has always been the easy side, mm. right? That's, that's what my background is in, uh, from an architecture and design perspective. Um, but looking at defining those ideal customer profiles, being able to, uh, reach those audiences, understanding and, and having a, a feedback loop in place, mm. uh, being able to, to capture your leads and, and having a data data driven approach to marketing, right? Those are all extremely critical in finding your first customers, especially in the early days. Mm. And then from there, uh, there's a lot of things that, that we teach and train around, uh, sales around prospecting, around closing, around deal flow, um, the value of building channel partnerships and understanding where you're sourcing those leads from. So we have a, a complete framework that we apply to every business, uh, within our ecosystem. We do the, we, we take the exact same approach with our, uh, our partners and our clients as well. So any client that comes to us, the first thing that we always do is go through a, a full audit. We look at their processes, we look at their current state, we look at their desired state, and then we take a data-driven approach uh, in order to get from point A to point B, right? Yeah. And I think that there's a lot to be said uh, about that approach and, and its success that we've had uh, with our own portfolio companies, along with, you know, 100-plus clients that we've applied this to. Um we, we have been extremely successful and, and fortunate to work with some amazing clients, um, but also to, to have the type of clients as well that are excited to work through this process, right? Most of the people that, that come to us, uh, have bounced around to a couple of different agencies. Um, and they know at that point very well, what doesn't work. So when you start taking a, a data driven approach and you can show the metrics and you can show how each initiative, uh, that you are, are kicking off ties back to a specific KPI, yeah. then it, it becomes extremely valuable, right? You can see yeah. exactly how your efforts, uh, are, are affecting the data are affecting your results are affecting your performance. Uh, and then you find what works and you can double down on that and you can scale it. And that's yeah. where we, we've seen the best results. Um, mm. so definitely have a, a framework and a, and a couple of playbooks for different, uh, business functions that, that work really, really well. Um, 
and again, just just try to uh, take the same type of ownership that we do for our portfolio companies with our clients. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's it's created some incredible relationships, both from a, a business perspective, from a partnership perspective, but but also from a, a personal relationship. Mm-hmm. I've, I've got to meet some incredible entrepreneurs that have uh, very powerful stories, whose companies are are making big impacts within their respective industries. Yeah. So uh, to say that uh, I'm passionate about tech is one thing to say that my, mm-hmm. my purpose, which I, I have found uh, in helping entrepreneurs uh, succeed and, and find, uh, find growth uh, within their businesses. That's, that's the purpose, right? Yeah. Brilliant. Brilliant. Now, uh, obviously, you know, the tech industry is a fast moving industry. <laughs> and there's always things happening and you, keep, you have to keep pace with the, you know, the speed at which things change. So how do you manage that with your clients as well as your, um, you know, your companies as well? Because you could be thinking of a particular thing if you've got a client you're working with for the next six months or whatever, before you get there, you know, something has changed and needs to be tweaked. Oh, absolutely. It, everything in tech, I always tell people it's, it's very fluid, right? And yeah. just like you said, it, it changes all the time. Um, but there are certain principles that are, are tried and true, right? That I think if you have those as the foundation that you're setting yourself up for success. So you can basically future proof, uh, against, uh, the innovation that's occurring in different technologies and things just by taking the time to actually understand them. Right. So some of the hot topics right now are, are web three and NFTs and, and the metaverse, right? Yeah. So understanding, uh, what those different technologies are understanding and educating yourself around what the potential use cases that apply to your business. Those are all, all, extremely important as we kind of usher in the the next age of, of tech. Right. Um, so we spend a lot of time around education. Um, I'm an avid reader. Uh, I, I, there's no telling how many hours a, a day that I read and, and I consume content from, from all over the place. And I think that's one of the, the most amazing things about the time that we live in uh, is that information is so readily available. And there's so many people that uh, I talk to. One of the, the things that I always advocate for people to do is to set up Google alerts. So mm-hmm. I literally set up Google alerts on, on any topic that I'm interested in learning in. And every day I get a roll up of three to five of the, the top articles within that space. And so I can sit there and I can read through them and I can understand them and, and conceptualize them. And I can, I can create those relationships and, and kind of interdependencies between all that information that I'm consuming and then tie that back with, with some other uh, information as well that I source from various places and conversations that I have with entrepreneurs that are in that space. Um, but, it, but it keeps you up to date and it keeps you active and, and aware more than anything uh, about what is happening within uh, tech as a whole. Yeah. And so understanding that, uh, understanding positioning, which is, is probably the most important piece, especially for emerging tech uh, and just the application that it has to your your clients, uh, apps or businesses. Um, and just going from there. So again, it's just, it's, it's education. That's the biggest thing. <laughs> you can learn anything that you want to learn as long as you put the time into it. Time into it. Brilliant. Right. Now what's, what's a, a flywheel and how, how does it differ to your traditional website or a traditional sales funnel? Yeah. So with, uh, with a flywheel, we, we call it a, a SAS flywheel specifically with, with our mm-hmm. clients, but the same is true for, for any industry. And I, I think 
there's been a big shift uh, from the past as far as as having that kind of critical customer centric view of your business. So many people just the point of sale was the conversion, right? That was where uh, okay, this person's a client; they're going to use the the platform, etc. And from a flywheel, you're literally taking your, from your customer who is anonymous, right? You're going through that same kind of process in terms of conversion. But what happens after that conversion point is what's most important within your business, right? That's the opportunity to take one client, turn it into 10, 10 into 100, and to really multiply uh, your entire user base by simply by helping that client to make sure that they're successful. So educating, training that client on your product or on your service so that they can actually uh, receive or achieve that uh, your, your unique selling proposition that, that you know you sold them on in the first place. So it's your responsibility to make sure they get the benefit. Um, and that's where customer success uh, companies have really adopted strong customer success uh, approaches over the past couple of years. So you're taking those those anonymous people, you're moving them into customers. You're going from customers to, to power users on your system, people that are receiving the benefit with the ultimate goal of, of turning them into advocates for your business, advocates and raving fans, because people that are, are willing to share uh, about what it is that you have solved for them or how they're benefiting from your platform, um, how it has helped them grow their company, how it has helped them win time back, how it has helped streamline processes or, or solved other pain points that they may have. Those are going to be the customers that go out and help you recruit more people. Right. So it, it's the same thing in, in terms of, and you probably know this with a, a ton of the software and stuff that you use today. Yeah. There's a lot of things that you use that you, you just don't love or that you don't receive the benefit out of it uh, that you expected to, or that it doesn't work the way that you expected to, or, or for the reasons that you bought it. And so you never have conversations about that software again, right? And then you think about the, the products that you do use every day that you absolutely love. And whenever there's an opportunity, you can't wait to tell somebody yeah. about those products, right? You can't yeah. wait to tell someone about that service and not just that it exists, but why it's amazing, right? It's, yes. People are very passionate about products and projects uh, and communities that they like, that they receive benefits from. And they, they're, they're just willing to share that to other people. So when you talk about being able to, to kind of leverage the, the network effect and, and economies of scale and in terms of, of growing and scaling a business, you need those people that are, are going to be advocates for your company. Um, and so if you can do a good job of moving them through that, that flywheel and converting them from anonymous uh, to first-time customers to advocates and raving fans of your business, you're going to do really well. And that all starts with, with customer success. It's more important what happens after the sale than what happens leading up to. Brilliant. And is, is that, is that one of the distinguishing facts that you would say between, because I think, I think um, at the moment when it comes to marketing companies, you know, a lot of our, uh, uh, companies or businesses will probably move from one to the other, trying to find out, you know, that unique, I think probably goes back to what we said about how the market moves and maybe they're trying to get this benefit from this company and that. So why do you think, you know, entrepreneurs or companies tend to move from one marketing company to another? What is it that they, they tend to seek and they feel yeah. maybe 
they can't find in one place? I, I think there's there's so many different ways you kind of kind of unpack that question, right? So, a lot of the agencies that that come to us, uh, there's a communication barrier has been issues with the the previous companies that they've worked with. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I I think one thing that we do extremely well uh, is communicate expectations. Number one, um, just so that we are all aligned in terms of what the goals and objectives are for this specific company or for this specific project that we're working on. Number one, Uh, And that includes taking a a data-driven approach to it. Um, But number two, we spend a lot of emphasis on actually educating our our customers, right? And I think that's where a lot of companies fall short is around the education piece. Because when you educate your customers, you have have an opportunity to to accomplish really two things, right? The the biggest thing is uh, to create awareness in terms of the work that's involved, uh, or the process that that you're taking them through, and why it's important for them to achieve the desired outcome, right? That's the first thing. Number two, you're building trust and authority, right? In terms of of showcasing your knowledge, uh, and then providing transparency into that overall process, which ultimately helps them to to understand why you're doing what you're doing. Uh, why it's effective, and then tying it back to, to the first point of, of having a, a data-driven approach and being able to, to actually measure those results. Because there, there's, there's so many people that, and you probably experienced this, you, you just you don't know what you don't know, right? Yeah. It's only through having those conversations and through education uh, that you can, can become versed in a, in a particular, particular subject or, or functional business area, right? So the whole reason that you're going to an agency in the first place is to get a, a desired result. But at the same time, um, when you don't get it or you don't understand uh, or there's no transparency in it, I, I think it's just a recipe for disaster. So we really emphasize education as part of the services that we provide. Yeah. Okay. Brilliant. Now, I think we, we touched upon earlier about, you know, the resilience to be able to break through those those challenges and keep going. But as a former athlete yourself as well, you know, how, how do you think, you know, sports so you know, being a, being an athlete translate into business itself? And how has it benefited you specifically as well? I, I think uh, I think you have to have a, a very short term memory when it comes mm-hmm. to failure, right? You have to have the the ability to to move on from it very quickly. Um, just like in sports, uh, I was a a basketball player. Um, Mm. but you have a turnover, you miss a shot, not to, not to, to let yourself, uh, get down or get discouraged, but to be able to quickly forget about that, uh, and move on to the next thing. Right. So next thing being defense, offense, whatever it is that your team needs to do, uh, in order to win and just having that kind of team centric, uh, mindset is, is something that, you know, I, I think has helped me build teams, you know, in athletics and then has transferred really well to my professional careers, um, building teams when I worked in, in private sector and did consulting and then building teams uh, and companies ultimately when I shook out on my own. So I think uh, having a short term memory is, is one thing. Uh, I think the other thing that's that's incredibly paramount in in team building too is celebrating your wins 
Um, you see this all the time. There's nothing I love more than uh, watching after uh, NCAA championship, watching after the the Super Bowl, watching after you know whatever sporting event, right? I love watching the the celebration. Right. I yeah. love the, the the raw emotion of it. And I love hearing, you know, the the personal stories come together out of those uh, conversations that are often held held with the, the media or reporters. Um, but being able to to celebrate those wins with your team is, is extremely important. Right. It's the same thing with with our clients. There's nothing that makes me happier than than seeing or, or hearing about our, our clients wins. Right. Knowing that we contributed and, and, and helped bring those uh, victories to light. Hmm. Okay. Brilliant. Now we, we talked, we well, touched upon uh, web three before probably didn't, didn't quite expand it. Um, where do you see the biggest opportunities in R with, with web three and how does it differ to web two or web one? Sure. Well, I mean, foundationally, if you look back at, at web one, it was, it was primarily the, the informational age, right? So you have, you have companies, uh, that are coming on, they're sharing information about uh, their business, what it is they do, maybe some some products that they have or services that they're looking to to promote or sell. Uh, and then you transition into to Web 2, where you have a big focus on user-generated content. Uh, content creator economy becomes paramount in the, the next stage of, of the internet. And you have these massive uh, companies and social media platforms. Thank you, your Facebook and Instagrams, your your TikToks, your Twitters, um, that are that are for the first time creating communities for for people to come together and actually providing tools for them to to create that content. Right, mm-hmm. you've got the the Googles of the world, you've got the the Apples and the Microsofts of the world that are are really centralizing all of that uh, data, all of that user data, and they're they're profiting off of it. And so Web3 is really looking to, to usher in a, a new era where they give power back to the users, right? The people that are actually creating uh, that content and, and generating that data and helping them to, to find ways to, to monetize it, right? And then they're tying it back to uh, various blockchain technology um, and introducing other concepts uh, in tech around NFTs, for example, which... Mm-hmm. The biggest thing that I, I see there in terms of, of what will kind of shape the future uh, in all of this, in crypto, in Web3, in blockchain, uh, is, is very possibly uh, going to be decentralized finance or DeFi, um, and then NFTs, non-fungible tokens. So I, I think the biggest thing with, with NFTs that I love seeing is, you know, the introduction to most people up until this point has been about the art. Right. Yeah. But I think the next wave that I'm, I'm really excited to see is the utility behind NFTs. Right. Yeah. The, the access and the ability to, to build communities and to, to provide benefits around those uh, memberships, subscriptions, et cetera, that I think is going to be really exciting. Right. Mm-hmm. There's so many so many use cases that the, the potential is there. Right. It just takes creators and builders to, to bring it all to fruition. And I think that's what's most exciting to see, but hmm. all in all, I think um, we're still several years out uh, yeah. from any of that actually reaching a critical mass. You know, you, you look at things like the automobile that that took fifty years from its invention to to gain mass adoption. The time cut in half uh, with the internet of of around twenty five years to to gain mass adoption, and 
again, the, the cycle for that occur to occur is, is being reduced significantly with, with all the new innovations. But as far as the, the hardware catching up with the software and some of the technology, um, we're still a few years away. So yes. biggest thing, again, people can do at this point is just exposure, uh, educating themselves, spending time to, to actually learn the concepts because a lot of it is, is, uh, it's very cumbersome, right? It's a very different, uh, kind of experience from your existing web two uh, applications where you've got all these other hoops that you've got to jump through. Um, so I've got a, a couple of articles that, uh, that are out in, in entrepreneur and some other places that I've written extensively on some of the challenges or the, uh, the barriers that, exist, uh, that have to be overcome in order to, to yeah. realize and to achieve web three. So mm -hmm. we're still a few years away, a little bit further for, for AR VR and the metaverse, um, yeah. coming to fruition, but it is coming, you know, make, make no mistake about that. And it's, uh, it's a very exciting, exciting. Uh, time to be alive and, to, to experience the, the next wave of innovation. Mm. So uh, as, as you look uh, on the side of opportunities that they present, there must be some risks and challenges to it as well. So what, what do you think are the biggest risks to that as well? I think, I think the biggest risk is just not understanding it, not, not doing the diligence required to, to understand what it is, understand what the use cases are and understand how it may be able to benefit your, your business, right? There's so many opportunities out there. Um, but again, if, if you don't understand or, or kind of arm yourself with with knowledge of those foundational concepts, you won't be ready to, to take advantage of them. And in a lot of cases, I think you're going to see a, a ton of disruption of uh, older companies and older technologies uh, by brand new players. And I think that's probably the most exciting thing to see. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, given that, um, how, how, what would you say is, is, is the best way for major brands to actually position my, uh, themselves, you know, for the transition to web three. Yeah. I think, I think the biggest thing there is, is just exposure to it. A lot of, a lot of major companies, um, fortune 500s, fortune 1000s, fortune 5000s are all dedicating resources specifically to understanding web three, understanding the blockchain, understanding emerging technologies, uh, so that they can advise. So, you know, at, at a minimum, you're going to start seeing a lot of companies offer Web3 experiences. You're going to see them uh, doing transactions through decentralized finance. You're going to see, uh, you've already seen a lot of them. Uh, I think Adidas, Nike, uh, hell, Snoop Dogg even, um, you know, launching NFT projects. So that yeah. that piece of it is going to continue. I think what's going to change with some of that stuff is is the utility and the, the value on the back, um, yeah. on the backside of it. So, again... At this point, it, it's really a, a wait and see kind of thing, um, but you, you've got to start arming yourself with, with the knowledge now because it, it is happening. Um, mm. So it's just a matter of understanding how you can uh, get into it, how you can leverage the new monetization, new business yeah. models that are going to be created as a result of it. Okay, brilliant. So, uh, and, and now, you know, coming back to SaaS partners. So, to your, to our listeners and our audience, audience here, um, just give us a bit more detail in terms of what do you do and how the people listening to this can actually benefit from what do you do and how they can also reach and find you. Sure. Yeah. So, so the biggest thing we wanted to do at SaaS partners, we we wanted to demystify the the process of starting a business. 
uh, more specifically starting a, a software as a service company, yeah. right? So, so we take a proven approach, uh, leveraging flame frameworks and, and playbooks that we have, uh, that help to de-risk the overall process, right? We, we handle pretty much every business function in house. So we do everything from business ideation, product development, uh, marketing sales all the way through so that, our, uh, our founders, our clients can focus on what matters most, and that's building their business. They don't have to worry about uh, all of these other business functions that they don't have knowledge in, uh, trying to learn things that, that can be complex and, and take years to uh, achieve a, an operational level, let alone a, a level of expertise. Um, so they're able to hand that stuff to us. We, we really spend a lot of time finding the best people in every different functional area to be able to provide guidance uh, and support. Um, these are not people that uh, are, are theoretical or, or philosophical in nature. These are people that have actually spent time uh, building businesses, successful build businesses, scaling those businesses and exiting those businesses. So we're able to advise kind of at, at all stages of growth. And I think that's something uh, that separates us from, from a lot of other shops. The other thing that people love about working with us is they have one point of contact. Uh, so if, if things are going well or going poorly, however they are, rarely poorly, but um, you know, occasionally things break. So having one point of contact to call, uh, having one bill to pay, not having to manage relationships uh, with multiple vendors, multiple agencies is, is something that they really like with us. So we work best with uh, early and growth stage companies yeah. that are working on either finding their first customers or that have found their early adopters and are working on uh, finding product market fit. So that's what we're most focused on uh, in, in the areas where we've had the most success. Mm. Okay, brilliant. And how can uh, our, our listeners find you? Absolutely. So you can find me through the, uh, the SaaS Partners website at saspartners.io. Uh, you can also uh, check me out on, on LinkedIn or Instagram or Twitter. I'm uh, active on all of them. So take a look, find me. And uh, if you've got a question, I'm happy to help. Yeah. That's how the best relationships always start. Brilliant. So is that saspartners.io? Yep. S-A-A-S, saspartners.io. Okay. Brilliant. Um, is that the one? You got it. Brilliant. Brilliant. Okay. Now, uh, Patrick, it's been... Um, Amazing uh, listening to your story that you've shared as well. You know, we talked about stories and how impactful they are. I mean, listening to your journey, you know, the challenges that you face and how they have actually helped you, you know, to propel into the success, you know, managing all these businesses that you manage as well and having the mindset to actually, uh, you know, succeed in that. And that's been quite uh, an amazing inspirational story for businesses looking uh, to, you know, even entrepreneurs looking to pursue something of their own as well in terms of starting a business. But also, uh, you know, the, the, um, all the tech stuff that you've shared around, you know, and the tech and Web3 and all of that is something that, uh, you know, people will be, will be keen probably to understand a bit more as well because the biggest thing, like you've mentioned, is for people to actually go out there and educate themselves about how, right. how they can uh, get to understand a lot more detail, especially to take advantage and benefit for the future, all the things that are and that's, exciting and are coming. one of the things that I love most about the Web3 community is just how open and transparent people are, how, how people... Mm -hmm 
just want to share what they're building and, and yeah. want people to get involved. So that that's it. Just mm. get exposure and get involved. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, brilliant. Now, is there any one of last pieces of advice that you would um, give to our listeners in terms of how they can move forward to take advantage of the future and all the opportunities it presents? I think the biggest thing is just understand your story. Understand the the power of your story, refine that, uh, find the clarity in it so that when you're ready to to move and uh, to build an audience and to, to have people follow your leadership, uh, you're able to clearly communicate uh, what your vision is. Yeah, brilliant. All right. Thank you very much, uh, Patrick. It's been um, amazing uh, hosting you on the Business Worth and Mindset podcast. And uh, I'm sure all our listeners who would like more information from you, they can reach out uh, on that uh, website and also find you on the uh, relevant social media channels as well. So it's been a pleasure speaking to you and uh, enjoy the rest of your day and we'll catch up very soon. You too, Alex. Thanks for the conversation today. I appreciate it. Brilliant. Thanks, Patrick. Cheers. Uh